This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. calls for aid and Brog shall answer Amon Dean welcome to Light the Beacons a Lotro podcast focusing on the semi-lucid MMORPG Lord of the Rings Online as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming and the lore of J.R.R. Tolkien this is episode 21 Blackjack and I'm your host Brag of the Lonely Mountain the purifier and dwarf of ill repute Coming to you live from temporary LTB, Middle-Earth-wide headquarters at the crossroads of ash in the flaming deeps. So, Karn Doom and Broom is still at work in the Foundations of Stone, cleaning up the joint. Apparently, as they were getting close to finished, they stole and consumed fizzy lifting drinks and were floating all around the cavern there, bumping into the ceiling, which now is to be scrubbed and sterilized. So I've got a reformed Morval flying crew, cleanup crew, that's scrubbing down all the various stalagmites and stalactites. Be that as it may, it gives me an opportunity to get a nice sauna in down here in the flaming deeps. As I look across the ancient, pocked and besooted stone bridges and parapets, I can see what is perhaps the single greatest physical raid cluster in the game, consisting of three mysterious doors. Hudnul Medin, often known as the Halls of Crafting, the Forges of Castle Doom, and Phil Gashin. This place was legendary for me my first trip through Moria. Could not believe that three dungeon rooms were so closely physically located, and what dungeons they are. Each of them has uh, some fantastic mechanics, some great scenery, and some exciting challenge. Uh, Halls of Crafting in particular was one of my favorite runs for many for many, many seasons, uh, as I tried to procure the brass anvil for my guardian. Alas, it was never to be. Um, it did get rolled on once by, I think, a lore master, so that was fun. He uh, got a few choice words from the heavies in the group, but it was gone. What are you going to do? Uh, something that's been addressed somewhat in some of the more recent instances where everybody gets loot from the chest without having to master loot. Uh, but, yes... This is uh, quite a breathtaking view down here, smoke rising on all corners. Uh, you would think they'd put some more guide rails in, given that uh, most of the, most of the uh, passages in this area of Moria um, you know, are several hundred feet down to a lava-filled, fiery death. But, um, you know, small dwarves close to the ground, sturdy, we don't fall much, so... I would just be a little careful when you're riding your goat. It is sad to see how quiet this hub is now in this age of instant finders. Instance finders, I should say. Um, you know, the only use it, yeah, I could see is if you uh, wanted to come down and grab your class quest directly from the vendor and uh, turn them in after. Um, but, uh, you know, still a wonderful site. You know, would I give up the instance finder? 
to make people ride down to the mustering horn and bring everyone into the crossroads of ash? <sighs> I guess not. But I can be nostalgic about it, can I? A little bit. Um, as I recall, sometimes you would uh, turn this corner and there'd be an elite shard dropper, which would be in the center courtyard occasionally. And uh, uh, you'd have to fight him off at the same time as potentially trying to call your party in for assistance uh, to the mustering horn before you plunged into the into the various dungeons. I would say, uh, you know, in my order of preference uh, would be Halls of Crafting being my favorite, followed by... Phil Gashin, which I think uh, still contains uh, one of the more interesting boss fights in the game. Uh, one that I'll talk about in the future at some point, maybe. And then the Forges, uh, which were always so crazy being on timed challenge. Um, but they're all great. Moria's great, and hopefully we'll live to see it scaled in my lifetime. So... The beacons were dark again last week due to, uh, if you saw my Twitter stream, a lack of elven chutzpah. Uh, chutzpah. I seem to be falling recently into a bi-weekly routine for the podcast. It is a solo show. It takes a little more preparation and not make it seem like I'm just babbling. And I'm sure it seems like I'm just babbling most of the time for you viewers. And you know you're not viewers, but, uh, but I do babble. So I tend to do it anyway, but... Um, but at least it's structured babbling when I have a little more time to prepare. Uh, I'm not saying that I'll definitely on a bi be on a bi-weekly going forward. There's no set rules. If, uh, if some news comes out or have some good play sessions and some time on my hands and the spirit moves me, I will, I will occasionally go to a weekly schedule. But um, bi-weekly does seem to be an easier balance for me personally. So I could see it being a fairly frequent occurrence. So since it's been a fairly full two weeks, let's get right down to it and light our second beacon. Ilenoch. All right, first it's time for CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Uh, well, since two weeks have passed and my memory is not what it was, I would like to say I was wrong. I'd like to take it back, and I'm sorry. For whatever it is, you have a bug up your butt about, boy, people these days are so touchy. It's just a game, people. Get over it. Uh, we did have a viewer comment coming in from uh, from our last episode, which was, for goodness sake, friend of the show, Tommy Ork, wrote in to say uh, I, he was commenting on um, some of my some of my review of the new Central Gondor Zone and whether or not it was ready for primetime when it was released. He says, I'm not an early adapter based on Turnbane's past releases, so I'll wait until point one or point two before heading to the new zones. And I was tired of the bear stuff and puns even prior to the release, so I'll pass on the new class. Dealing with the music issues and all the new random hem features, cough, cough, bugs, cough, cough, make it seem as these releases are getting worse instead of better with regards to QA. Um, as my own personal aside, I'll have to say that I... I do believe the QA team is probably getting squeezed. Um, I'm sure they're aware of most of the issues. They just don't seem to have the bandwidth to address them all within their regular release schedule. So Tormir goes on to say, I'd rather have the whole thing late and be a solid release and release everything promised. Hello, where's the legendary item lock update? Rather than early on time and requiring half a dozen hotfixes or additional point releases to get it right. 
So I did respond to Tommy Arc on that point and said that I thought myself that the release was in stable enough condition to go out the door and provide a significant amount of gameplay uh, without being disturbed by bugs that I thought were too serious. Now, it could be that I just didn't run into a lot of them personally. I definitely did see some bugs, uh, but not enough to deter me from evaluating the release in a positive manner from my perspective at least. And um, as far as the legendary item system, uh, the lock update being, you know, the imbuement system being late, I think uh, it's been expressed before by most people on the forums, and hopefully Turbine's gotten the message, as long as we can apply the imbuement to any level 100 item that we've already crafted to date, I don't think people are going to care that the imbuement system itself is late. What they would care about is if they had to discard their current weapons and grind one more time. Because uh, I think most people have had it and probably wouldn't have ground their weapon one more time if they didn't think they were going to be able to level it with them and imbue it going forward. So hopefully that is... Uh, not a bone of contention. Uh, so Tomiark said for now they broke the music system and still not to provide the six-man epic battle, alienating both RP and instance group people. This is true. Uh, PVMP creeps are now rumored to be going on hiatus as well due to the new class OPness. Um, OP for you non-MMO junkies, meaning overpowered. Uh, so the Bjorning does feel overpowered to me at lower levels. Um, is yet to be seen, for me at least, whether it is overpowered at level 100. Obviously, you could be scaling your Bjorning and taking it out to the moors now, but I don't think too many people are doing that. And I haven't been out to the moors since the Bjorning class was released to see if there were a lot of bears running around. Now, I know there were people that power leveled a Bjorning in nine hours, and um, some other podcasts have talked about how it's you know reasonable if you're sitting there running sword halls 5,000 times to do it in the course of a busy weekend. Uh, but I'm not really not interested in that. Uh, I'm sure there are people that are, and I'm sure there are several Bjornings running around level 100. I've seen at least one or two myself. But I don't imagine that there are that many that it's really going to turn the balance of the Ettenmores in the short term. We will see. Um, Tomiark also mentions he tried his hand at the solo survival barrow downs and lasted past the 35-minute mark. So I'm assuming he ran it, I think three-man is the minimum on that. Um, so assuming he ran it as a three-man and lasted 35 minutes, I am quite impressed. Uh, and I asked him, he comments that it's quite a wrist wrecker. Yeah, I'm sure it is uh, for 35 minutes, constantly pounding buttons. Um, but I'm wondering what class he was that he was able to survive that long, uh, 35 minutes on a three-man survival barrow downs as a solo player. Uh, that is impressive. The only other time that I've lasted that long in a barrow down skirmish was when we did have a group and we were employing a bit of a <clears throat> workaround for the skirmish, which I think was an inventive solution. Uh, we had a warden basically running circles around the, um, the central tower or spire with a minstrel healing them from the center and a lore master putting stun immunity on them. Uh, and I was there as a backup tank just in case... For some reason, he lost aggro on any of the individual mobs, and they came over to the Minstrel or Loremaster. Um, and he was able to kite basically the entire Barrow Downs <laughs> crew uh, around in circles for a good amount of time, and actually cleared some of our um, some of our uh, some of our D's in that area. But eventually, he did uh, eventually he did get frozen in place somehow. Guys caught up to him, and we washed out. 
But it was an interesting strategy, one that I thought was inventive at the time. And I'm not even sure really it could be called a... Um, uh, not even sure really that it can be called an exploit because uh, they are using the skills granted to the characters. Maybe it's not in the spirit of how they thought it would originally be attempted, but it was still challenging in its own way. So, in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game this week. We're going to recover a lost lore item pertaining to the origins of Bragg. My, my therapist tells me that self-reflection is good. And we're going to go way out on a limb with a Bjorn segment, partially authored by Sir Mixalot. Some of you may see where this is going. Lastly, I'm sure we will offend somebody somewhere, probably an elf. With that, let's move on to our third beacon. Not all. This week in Lotro and other Tolkien news. So it's a very Bragg Bjorning focus this week, as it has been for some time, though that may change shortly, as you'll see. Um, Bragg has been busy finalizing quests both in Dor Erneil and in Labinin and Pilargir. I uh, was able to acquire class trade points at the end of the quest lines for each of those areas, and I've now reached a total of 73. So I'm not sure if there's maybe one hidden in the new area I haven't seen yet, but I believe 73 um, is one short of the current max, uh, 74, which I could reach if I got 200 points in my epic battle uh, trait matrix. Um, so I believe 74 is the current maximum. If somebody out there knows differently, please let me know. It is nice to slowly be grabbing some space on my non my secondary trees in my build. Um, there are some nice traits uh, out there for your class. Uh, obviously, costing two points a piece, so it's slow going. But uh, as an example, uh, while I'm in red DPS line, when I'm soloing, um, I was finally able to sink some points into a trait that allows me to take my um, my wound, poison, fear, and uh, and uh, disease removal skill uh, for the guard, which currently only acts on one at a time, and allows to ramp that number up to an additional uh, two or three items. So now I can clear three wounds, you know, three fears, three basically three debuffs at a time using that skill as opposed to one. Um, this is really nice. The cooldown on it, I think, is actually a little short because um, it's up fairly frequently and uh, you can, you know, in a, fair, in a pretty serious fight uh, or in a raid or instance, you know, it allows you some flexibility. If your cooldown's on, you can hit your pot. If your pot's on cooldown, then you can hit your regular skill. And, you know, this is, I think, helpful in one of those circumstances where maybe, you know, you get a wound and you hit your pot and then you get an eyeball wound, which is typically, you know, you know, a wound is bad, right? Because it's, you know, some kind of thing. But generally you can you can fight through that. But if you get an eyeball wound in a raid, usually that's, um, you know, a kind of mechanic that will end that fight or at least you <laughs> if you don't address it very quickly. And if your pot's on cooldown, you'd be stuck and be like, oh, what? I hit my pot when I saw that wound. I should have waited for the, the big red eye. But uh, you know, now that you have uh, these, every class has these um, debuff removal skills available. Um, it is uh, you know a lot more flexible, and you don't get caught like that nearly as often. Um, you know, easier, not necessarily uh, a bad thing, but 
you know, I think uh, some of the some of the classes probably have different cooldowns and different number of debuffs that can be affected. So, as far as uh, you know, now that I've finished the quest lines in some of the other areas, I would say the storyline storylines of the areas are generally good. Uh, Pilar gear does end up on a bit of a cliffhanger, uh, but hopefully that is intentional and will be cleaned up later in the next book. Um, one of the one of the storylines in Labinan actually has you teaming up with Jax again. I don't think that's too big of a spoiler. Most of you guys knew that was going to happen. And um, there is some closure with his storyline. So based on that, is this the end of our time with the Fair Pirate NPC? Uh, I'm hoping not. I like Jax as a character. I think most people have. He brings a little, little swagger, a little mischief, a little rascal into the fold. Uh, I am predicting that it's not the end of Jax. You heard it here first. Uh, and I think here's my reasoning. First of all, and this is a spoiler, I believe Jax will eventually be revealed as none other than Jaggerjack of the Chetwood. He's a triple agent, and he'll probably turn on us again shortly. Jax, Jaggerjack, come on. You really thought we wouldn't see that turbine? You may recall my wonderful rendition of moves like Jagger Jack, which uh, a number of episodes ago, yeah, it was, uh, that was fun. But J-Jack's Jagger Jack, eh, I don't know. You heard it here first. All right. General comments on Pilar Gear. Um, it's an interesting city. I, I like how it's laid out across the water. Um, I like its shape. I like the bridges that connect it. It makes sense. Um, it's a little hard to get to the central courtyard. That's uh, you know the focus of the the northern entrance. Um, I think it's because of the way they shaped the big battle to run through. They they closed off some stairs or passages. Uh, you got to kind of go in a big circle to get back down uh, from the wharf area. Uh, so a little limiting there. But I'm sure once I learn my way around and all the shortcuts, it won't be quite so bad. I do like the ship graveyard in the port, showing some of the ships, you know, halfway underwater, stuck up in the in the moorings. Uh, it's got lots of atmosphere. It's well done. Um, so I am done with the epic storyline and done with most of the quest lines. There's a chance I might have missed some hubs because I am well short of reaching max reputation in the three areas and the overall arching Pilar gear um, reputation faction. Uh, so, I'm wondering how much daily grinding I'm have to do to get to up your reputation with all the four of those areas. Quite a bit, it would seem. I'm assuming that the three sub areas don't go beyond friend. Uh, that they're more like the dull Amroth reputations, where uh, you only had to fill one bar and not four. Because if you have to get to kindred on all of those, um, then I think I've got a big problem with that. Um, so I'm assuming that's not the case and that you only have to do that with the Pilar Gear faction. Uh, but the quests that are available for dailies, you know, in one, in one respect, at least they're instantly repeatable um, in a lot of cases. Although, on the downside, that can make them get old really quick. So I guess the question is to the viewers out there and, you know, I'm asking you a question. Would you rather do the same quest 20 times in a day and get it over with or once a day for 20 days? Or how about neither? <laughs> I'm probably in the neither camp. Um, you know, I think you need to find some balance there. 
there is a deed that's in my deed log uh, to finish the area of Central Gondor called the Vanguard of Central Gondor and uh, have not seen any mechanism for starting whatever that deed is. I did put um, some questions out in world chat and got some responses that it is apparently a deed based on getting max rep with all the different groups um, in, in Central Gondor. And if you do, it contains a prologue of sorts, so to be confirmed and continued on that. At least, uh, much like they did with Heitbold, there'd be some kind of capstone story for people to labor towards if that was the case. So, uh, for Bragg, it's on to roving threats, dailies, and big battles, I guess. Um, I was able to solo Gundash yesterday, a 550k morale troll in southern Ringlow. Uh, Ringlow Vale um, by kind of varying uh, getting on my horse running around in circles eventually getting knocked off burning him down for a while and hitting cooldowns to pump my morale back up and getting back on my horse circling again it did take quite a bit of time since guard mount combat is not uh, not terribly DPS heavy but um, but I did manage to finish him by myself no one else joined in during that time it rewards a rep item, so the area, so it's a bit sparse for the time it take to do solo. Uh, I can imagine going through and hitting all the, um, all the roving threats uh, with uh, with groups uh, to kind of more quickly burn through those. Uh, and speaking of big battles that I'll be doing, Pilar Gear. Uh, I did get in two solo runs and a duo run of Pilar Gear, and. I have to say, generally, I liked it. I liked being in a new setting. I liked the offensive feel of it. Um, has enough in common with uh, some of the good parts of Epic Battles that it wasn't completely foreign. Uh, at the same time, it needs work. So the primary thing I noticed from a solo perspective uh, that it needs work is the timing. Um you know, there are some long pauses in the action. For example, uh, as you're cranking the winch to open up the main gate and let Aragorn and his forces in, uh, the winch is finished, and we end up sitting around for, you know, almost five minutes as Aragorn marches in, goes through a little cutscene of speech, and tells us to join him down at the docks. Um, they need to figure out a way to tighten that up, or at least not have you sitting there waiting quite that long to go on to the next section. Um, you know, often we're kind of running along behind Elro here and Eladan, the two elf boys. And, um, you know, they just don't move forward. They're kind of standing there. I'm like, well, maybe if I move forward, they'll follow me. And I turn back and they're not following. And I run back and then they start running forward. And I'm like, you know, what are we in? You know, the, the Fort of Brunin here? What's going on? These guys are spastic as usual. So hopefully they'll tighten that up. The other one I noticed is at the end of the run, uh, when you finish the objective and it tells you you've won... <laughs> the big battle doesn't tend to end at that point. Usually there's another two or three or even four minutes of kind of running around and uh, you know fighting random mobs that are still hopping over the wall even though they've lost the fight. So again, uh, something they need to uh, tighten up a little bit better. But um, I would say at least the runs I did were generally fun. Uh, I like taking out the specific targets that will fight me exclusively as they hop over the wall. Uh, they need to work on the challenge a little bit. You know, I think it's the same issue that they have again and again where um, where some of the heavier classes have it easy and some of the light armor classes can get overwhelmed with the large numbers. And, uh, you know, they need to figure out a, w a little better way to find some balance there. Uh, as a guard, it was, 
it was a little easy, I have to say. Um, the rewards right now appear to be pretty good. I mean, in three runs, I got over 250 stars of merit. I think I read that the that the you know the major rewards that you're looking for from the area, um, you know, a big piece of jewelry might might require 750 stars of merit. So that would be eight or nine runs, um, assuming you have good luck and and uh, get decent rewards in order to get a gold piece of jewelry. And I actually heard somebody complaining about that, uh, writing into one of the other podcasts, um, that it was too easy to get all gold jewelry for all your folks. And I don't get it. So I'm not sure I'm doing the math right. But if I am, you know, eight to nine runs for one piece of jewelry and you need six... That's, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking like 50 epic battle runs to outfit, outfit yourself completely. Yeah, I know there are some people that will sit there and run it all day long 50 times in a day and get it done. <laughs> um, but first of all, you're not getting rewards on the battle more than once a day, uh, the extra rewards at least. Um, so that's not possible. And secondly, that's just one tune. And there's lots of people that have multiple tunes out there. I didn't think it was anywhere close to being unreasonable as far as the uh, you know the amount of progression to get gold jewelry for your tunes, and we'll keep busy people busy should keep people busy quite for some time. Yeah, I realize there's people that in the community that have the time to play 20 hours a day, and will do that when they have new content and they're grinding. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad option for everybody. Uh, you know, we need to find new carrots for some of those folks, but they have to realize they're not the norm. At least I don't think they are. Okay, so um, I did get uh, 250 stars of merit in three runs. In addition to my very first run, as you may have seen from my Twitter feed, I scored a gold essence, um, which I guess is rare. Not terribly rare, but rare enough that it was still pretty good luck, apparently. And also earned some useless jewelry that's not better than what I had. I expect that to happen fairly frequently. Um, I did hear that the rewards were maybe a bit rich and that they were considering nerfing them in 15.2. So if I were you, I'd get in and run some Pilar Gear Big Battles um, daily up until 15.2 was released if you'd like a good chance at winning some of those awards. Uh, after I finished the big battle, I got on with uh, some of the other quest chains around Pilar Gear and I did run into an issue. Um, I was doing a a quest where I had to find some lost heirlooms uh, amidst some debris in the eastern sections of the town and uh, was searching through the debris piles and came upon kind of the final pile that I needed to look through. Uh, we're assuming the, the last uh, heirloom piece was there. And right at that time, um, I got a call out for somebody looking for a guard to run uh, Fornost Earthwing. So I actually went and did that, and I'll talk about that run in a minute. When I came back from the run, though, back exactly where I'd started, right over the final pile, uh, the glowiness of it had disappeared. So apparently something I did in the instance interfered with my ability to finish that quest. And I confirmed with a couple folks I was in the right spot. I clicked all over. I even tried to do a select closest object to no avail and was not able to complete the quest. And eventually I had to call a GM. So I did call a GM and enter a ticket. And I waited about 15, 20 minutes in the area and got no response. So I thought I'd run another uh, big battle, which I did. And I was about a minute from completing that big battle when I got the call from the GM asking what he could do for me. 
uh, I explained the situation, and he said, well, I think you should leave the area and come back and see if it reappears. I told him I'd logged out and logged back in and tried that, etc., and to no luck. I said, I can be out in a minute, and I can verify for you if you can wait. And he said, um, is there any other way I can assist you? I was like, yeah, you can fix the problem. Uh, but uh, actually, since I was still fighting my way through the last encounter and couldn't go out and verify whether or not it was there, he basically said, well, this ticket is closed. Thanks for your help. And he left. And, of course, when I got out and looked at the ground, it had not been fixed. So I was a little annoyed by that. Um, I did enter another ticket before I go on too long about it, and the same GM showed up, this time more quickly, and was able to fix the problem in short order. You know, basically, you know, f flicking a variable, I'm sure, in a, in a file, and uh, it turned on the last uh, piece of the quest I needed to click on. I just don't know why he didn't do it the first time. I explained to him pretty clearly what I had tried to fix the problem. Maybe he was busy and didn't have time to wait the extra minute for me to verify and thought I was... Uh, not doing my due diligence, but in any case, the second time around, it was uh, fixed to my satisfaction and very quickly. And that has generally been my experience with GMs in game. Uh, you know, they do sometimes take a couple minutes, and I think it's been a little longer of late. You know, maybe that's diminished staffing speaking uh, to get to help you. But generally speaking, when they do come there, they're able to resolve problems pretty quickly. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, a loot chest that didn't work in the end of an instance. They've told us again and again that's not something they're able to address. But uh, you know, problems with quest flow in the game. Um, you know, this was a bug, but it was addressed pretty quickly, and I was able to move on and complete all the quests in that area. So good on them for that, even if they didn't get it on the first try. Okay, so uh, what else is Bragg doing? I do like the fact that I'm leveling my horse again after so long. Um, I'm actually. I kind of had a proclivity to fill in some of the bottom skill trees rather than the top level stats um, at the top of the trait tree, like agility and might and and um, you know morale and so agility and, and morale and so forth. But now that those uh, trees are completely filled, I'm starting to go back and fill in some of those top level stats. So um, leveling the horses, uh, the your war steed has allowed me to fill in some of those, and I'm feeling a little bit hardier on the steed than I have in the past. First thing I did was ramp up the DPS, since guard DPS on mounted combat, at least in the medium build, still kind of stinks. Um, there's no AoE, and there's no range, so you've got a single target melee everything, which is not my idea of fun mounted combat. Um, but anyway, it's good to be leveling your war steed again and hopefully that will continue and be fun to see what how effective it would be uh, fully loaded with all the traits built out and there's still some room to grow there. Uh, the other thing I did as I mentioned is I ran a version of Fornost Earthwing with a pretty good group. Uh, the first fight in that instance is uh, is pretty tough actually. It's There's no not even any trash. You go right through a door and start with the first boss and uh, as you start to engage him and burn down his two chief lieutenants, all the different uh, all the different uh, addition, uh, waves of ads come and kind of fill fill the uh, fill the area, and it becomes a bit of a DPS race to burn down the boss uh, before you get overwhelmed. 
And we actually had to try that two or three times until we got uh, you know through that initial wave and uh, got some you know found some stability in the fight where we were, had good balance and were able to burn the guy down. And um, right when he was at I think like 20k, uh, something went wrong. One of our guys died, and uh, and uh, you know someone missed a pot or something like that, and we lost half the group. And then uh, I died, you know, I died and uh, the minstrel was running around and everything was chasing him and he just barely got off his res skill and, uh, and brought me back to life before he got killed. And then me and one other, um, one other Cappy, I think, was able to uh, barely burn down the boss uh, last couple K before, before going down. So that was a fun fight. <laughs> It, it was challenging, uh, and that's the thing I'll say about Fornost is the fights are tough. The boss fights are tough in my experience, except for the water wing. That one's easy. Um, the grind is long. Just getting through the area and all the different uh, trash fights you have to do to get to the boss uh, takes a long time, and unfortunately, the rewards are meager. Um, and that's why I think it's run so seldom. I mean, you know, that first boss chest, you open it up, and there's basically nothing some silver and an ixp rune or something like that you know almost no chance for anything decent um you know and getting to the next boss takes you know at least kind of 45 minutes of grinding through a whole bunch of different camp areas and uh and you know almost nothing in that in that chest either so um in this case uh, we got to the final boss in the earth wing eventually and uh, there's a mechanic there that says you have to defeat him before before you kill any of his lieutenants. So, so basically, trolls and and goblins join the fight, and you have to. It becomes a DPS race to burn down the boss before you get overwhelmed again. Uh, so similar to the first fight in some ways, uh, but it means that basically that you can't hit any AOEs if you want to if you want to win challenge mode. And we had two of the tries we had on the final boss where. Um, Someone accidentally or intentionally used an AOE skill and killed an ad, and we all had to run out and reset and try again. And, uh, you know, I will say that's, you know, I've talked about AOE uh, previously as uh, in some of my other podcasts, and that's why it's important to know which skills of yours are AOE. And I know that all the builds changed with the new class trait system, but there's been enough time to pass that, uh, you know, if you're going to be serious about rating, you should know all of your AOE skills. Uh, you know, for example, a couple weeks ago, I was looking through uh, the traits that I had picked in in the, my guard line, but my blue line for my guard, and noticed that there was a class trait that changed one of my shield skills to an AOE, um, and uh, didn't even realize it the first time I'd I'd traded it. And uh, if I'd used it in that fight, I definitely could have worn down some of the mobs and accidentally killed them. So uh, I'm glad I detected that, but it's good to go back through and, and just double-check and make sure by reviewing your tool tips if you're going to be raiding. Um, so, Fornost Earthwing done. And, uh, you know, in my experience, the toughest wing is the final boss in the Shadow Wing, which is the final fight in the cluster. And I've had bad luck with that fight in the past. Um you know, I think it was easy at one point, and they toughened it up. And I haven't seen any—I haven't been with a group that finish, has finished it in a long time at this point, maybe a couple years. So I know it's possible for the best-rate groups out there, and I'm sure people will say I did it so easy, blah blah blah. At least in my experience, that is a hard fight to pug, 
and I haven't seen good strategy guides on how to do it since it got toughened up. So if anyone out there has completed the Shadow Wing and has some advice for a group that wants to get that done, the final boss fight, please let me know right in. All right, let's move on. That's enough bragging. Uh, my Cappy did the first few step, steps in the new epic quest chain and generated some more jewelry, but not much. I did actually start my minstrel also in the first few steps in the epic quest chain. Um, I got through the section where you uh, go encounter out on uh, Balakor out on a ship in the harbor outside of Dal Amroth. And uh, I thought it was a very uh, sharp juxtaposition with my guard where when that fight started, I just stood my ground and fought everybody until he got uh, sick of me and, and said no and booted me off the, uh, off the boat because he couldn't beat me. Uh, my minstrel, I actually tried to fight for a couple seconds and uh, got stunned and got killed and had to do the instance over. And the second time around, I realized that uh, it probably was not a good uh, idea to, to stand my ground as a squishy, and I jumped overboard. Um, so I think that'll be kind of emblematic of the difference that'll be running through some of the epic quest lines with a squishy class uh, rather than with Bragg. Um, so deciding between Capier Minstrel to move forward through the epic quest lane. Um, no love for the lore master, hunter, burglar, RK, or warden. My champ is still sitting at level 36 in the North Downs getting ready to take on the Trollshaws. And she is no no longer my highest lower level tune. That honor goes to the Bjorning, who has reached level 40 over the past two weeks. Um, pretty good run. I am starting to slow down now. I'm noticing, you know, at first I could do a couple hours of gameplay and expect to gain a couple levels. And I'm at the point now where I can do a couple hours of gameplay and maybe get one level. Uh, you know, I'm not power leveling, obviously. I'm not using all the accelerators and stuff. I got the, you know, the, sh the hammer hand shield on and and uh, burning through VIP XP bursts and any other tombs I might have on the tune. But but just enjoying the ride. Uh, I drained Gartha Garwin pretty well with this tune this time around. I hadn't done kind of all the quests in that area in a long time. I always forget how big that place is, um, especially in the eastern sections. Uh, you know, it, it does sprawl and there's like groupy content in there. You got to get to, to do some of the, um, to see some of the areas. And it was challenging even as an OP bear, because I was taking on areas where you're supposed to be in smaller or middle level fellowships. And, uh, you know, I could take on one, maybe two mobs, but if I got caught up with three, I'd, I'd get into some trouble. So I did run the two feeder three mans in the area, the Arboretum, which is probably the easiest one of the cluster. Um, that was not a challenge running with three Bjornings. <coughs> and then we ran the, the Barrow, uh, where you confront Ivar for the first time in the epic quest line. And uh, did the Sarah Oakart or Sokart side quest, where she kind of ambles her way through a bunch of worms and trouble in there and uh, continues her story. Um, in the final fight in that instance where you are fighting Ivar, there's again mechanic where you're not allowed to kill his bannermen on either side who buff him during the course of the fight. Um, and it's kind of tough running with three bears. I, I was in the, no Goldilocks in that one, I was in the, um, in the yellow stance to provide some healing, and I think the other two guys were both DPS. And uh, we failed the fight several times initially. Um, what I'm finding is interesting is that, you know, Bjornings need to continue to hit in melee in order to generate wrath so they continue to heal. 
at least at this level. So we do pretty well when I was using my major heels. You know, I build up some wrath and then I'd unload a bunch of heels on the guys and keep them steady and try to do myself as well. But when I had to change back to man form to do more of the wrath building, the heel that is in that stance wasn't quite powerful enough to keep us on level, especially as archers popped up um, around us over time. Um, so eventually I had to tell the guys move the boss over to the archers so that we can burn them down. Not the bannermen. We have to keep those for challenge mode. But we can burn the archers and the boss at the same time. And uh, the guy I was playing with misinterpreted that. He, he went over and killed a bannerman. So we lost challenge mode on that, um, which is not a big deal at that level, but it would have been nice to have gotten it. And uh, um, I think it just goes to show that uh, three Bjornings can be versatile, but at this level at least... Um, you know, we're without a classic healer, uh, got into trouble occasionally as we had to vary form back and forth. Um, so next time, I'm, I'm going to look for a six-man to finish off the fortress because I haven't run that instance in a long time. And I think it's around level 36 or 37 level quest, so I'll be a couple levels over when I do it. Should be good because the final fight with uh, the Red Maid is a tough one, as I recall, if you're close to level. Aside from that, I've just been questing an even dim with my burr. Uh, didn't mean to stay there this long initially, but it's so smooth. It's even dim. I uh, went and did the North Cotton Farms, uh, which is a nice kind of change of pace after nonstop killing stuff forever. And those are usually good for about two levels, as well as uh, you know some fairly nice weapons that are some of the nicer weapons you can get that level if you don't drain Garthic Garwin like I did. Uh, went on to Dwelling and did the, some questing around Dwelling, including acquiring Ronald Dwelling's pipe, which is a requirement for all of my tunes. Uh, did leveling in the Baron Delph, which is one of the only uh, kind of uh, desert-y type areas in the game, even if it's fairly small. Uh, quested around the Colossus, got up on top of the Colossus, which is one of my favorite quest additions in Even Dim, for the view there, and of course took some screenshots of a bear on top of the Colossus. And this time, just as an experiment, I left the quest open because if you hand the quest in, you can't go back on top of the Colossus anymore. And I wanted at least one tune where I could go up there again if I wanted. So I didn't hand that quest in, and I'm keeping the Colossus view open for for future whatever. Don't even know. But uh, figured I didn't need the XP that bad and wanted to be able to visit there without having to level a new tune up to level 35 or so. So uh, I'm going to see. I'll see how long I keep that in my quest log. Uh, went through Ostfarad and Tenuter, and I'm almost done with all the quests in the Even Rills on the northwest side. Uh, I got my class books now, so not too far away from heading to either Forkel, Angmar, Misties, or Eregion to start getting some pages. Having a bear, i got to say, in Forkel or the Misty Mountains with the wintry weather is intriguing looking. But Angmar is calling to me as well, so we will see. Um, I did acquire a class trait that fixed the issue I mentioned previously with Relentless Maul being too long of a skill. That kind of got you locked into something uh, while it was executing. Um, so they've half the execution time now with the same damage output, which is good. Uh, acquired a skill called Sacrifice, which I think will be good in grouping. It sounds like it's kind of like a, a shield wall for the guard, except there's no damage mitigation. So you are actually sacrificing yourself. Um, 
you know, assuming the barrel will be hardier than whatever class you're trying to save. So it may help, but haven't got a chance to use that in groups yet. I did notice that I was just granted another Hearten Deed, Class Deed at level 40. So I completed a Class Deed for Hearten, which is the Bear's Base uh, Heal Over Time skill, um, earlier, and now I was granted another one at level 40. thought that was a little weird. Um, I did notice some of the Bjorning armor sets are slowly getting filled in. There were some notes on beta uh, about new armor sets coming out for the Bjorns. Uh, last update indicated they'd have them in, in, the rift, in the rift soon, which would be neat. And perhaps some other locations that slipped my mind. Hypebolt, anyone? Um, yeah, so that's about more than enough what I've been doing in-game. Look at the time fly. So let's move on to our next beacon. Aralas. Boy, I can talk, guys. Sorry about that. I do tend to run on. Let's get something into something a bit more tightly scripted. And for this next segment, Aralas, I am going to expose myself. Hey, hey, watch it, censors. Sorry for all you viewers out there, and even if you're not viewers. Um, I am going to share with you something that I wrote for a Lotrocast backstory contest. Uh, Lotrocast, you may remember, is um, one of my favorite podcasts for Lotro in the past. It's been on somewhat of a hiatus of late, uh, but hopefully the podcast author, and his name is escaping me right now, but um, I'll think of it later, uh, will return soon to the airwaves. But uh, sometime a, a couple years back, he did a contest where he asked people to write in and talk about the origins of their character and do so with a bit of a justification for why they chose the class they chose, as well as um, where they're from and, and what, uh, what their profession would be from a crafting standpoint. And so that sounded like a fun challenge to me. I kind of uh, you know, had a backstory for Bragg, and I, I flushed it out a bit, um, and I did it in the form of a letter uh, that, uh, that Bragg received from his father. You may have heard me describe myself as a son of Balin, and I take that seriously. So, here, uh, with no, without further ado, is my Lotrocast backstory contest. To Brag, son of Balin of the Lonely Mountains, in whom I am well pleased. My son, my preparations are nigh complete, and I go forward with the will, fortitude, and grace of all good dwarves to begin my greatest life's work. I have been told the matter of the great worm of Erebor and my small part in that most momentous and cataclysmic, cataclysmic of journeys should be enough for any dwarf to put up his axe and count his gold. But the depths of Khazadun call, and I cannot but answer the echoes of our forefathers and the waves of mithril dreams which lure me there. The house of Fundin ever serves and would see the glory of Durin restored or die in the trying. As I learned from my dear friend Bilbo and have told you many a time, even the smallest of persons can turn the wheel of fate and achieve the greatest of deeds. We have many hands and hale hearts to add to my own. Humbly, I will lead them as I may. Another lesson I have learned, this one from none other than Thorn himself, concerns the bitterness of bad partings. And though I cannot take back the words we shared as we stood on the banks of the Selduin, I hope to soften them with this note which I am entrusting to the raven Karal, daughter of Kark. Your life's journey has just begun, and as much as I would dream to have you by my side as we storm through the Dimril Gates, you are not yet ready for the evil challenges that surely await us beyond the pools and eddies of Keled Zarum. 
You have much work to do, my son, and the sooner done, the sooner you may be by my side. Hearkening back to the oft-told tales of the battles of five armies I have shared, you may recall a pivotal skirmish that occurred before our great allies, the mighty eagles, turned the battle in our favor. As a phalanx of sturdy dwarfs from Dane's own guard ringed Gandalf and Thorin on the battle mounts, his, his wizardry surged and crackled over our heads, robbing all evil spawn that came near of their will to fight, and none could break our line. Then a fell warg sire leapt over us, snapping at the mighty wizard, who was suddenly hard-pressed. As they grappled, the wizard's spells waned, and the goblins, with a dread shout and bloody surge, routed our position. Your great-uncles, Feely and Kili, fell in that accursed hour, protecting Thorn, and mighty dwarves and staunch friends were they. Many of our dwarven brethren passed that day and now lie encased in cold stone under the mountain. If Gandalf's protectors had been able to keep the attention of the enemy for a bit longer, our victory might not have come at so heavy a cost. And so I charge you, Bragg. We will have great need of guardians in the dark reaches of Moria. Go forth to Thorin's fortress of old and Arid Luin in the shadows of the Blue Mountains to train under the watch of Nought, great guardian of our people. Defend the reaches of Eriador while you train. Learn the ways of the armorsmiths so that you may help gird our people for battle. And most importantly, most importantly, earn the trust and faith of all races. We will either stand together against the shadows of the north or perish. Go forth now. Go forth and do not despair. Glory and honor await you as I do at the end of your journey. My heart leaps at the thought of our reunion in the 21st hall. The trumpets will blow and our enemies will quake. The lords of Moria will have returned. Signed, Balin, son of Funding. And from that downer of a story, we move on to Min Rimon. Word from our sponsors. This episode of Light the Beacons is brought to you by Goldberry Sparkling Bottled Water. Trust the brand with the original River Maiden slash St. Poorly Girl on the label. No artificial flavors or preservatives, though Tom does slip a few pharmacologicals in now and then. Goldberry Water. Drink deeply of the old forest to put some more hair on your toes. And by Thornley's Construction Site. At Thornley's, multitasking is not our specialty. Thornley's Construction Site, serving the Northern Breefield community endlessly for over seven years. Lastly, don't forget during this holiday season to give generously to Sofimska, the Sarah Okart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children. With your PAYHAG donation, Leisurely Evil is kindled. Thanks, sponsors. We move on now to our sixth beacon, Callanhad. And uh, those who've been following the podcast for some time know that I'm not afraid to dust off my pipes and go out on a limb on occasion. Well, I was listening to... Um, MMO Lotro Reporter podcast this past week. They were talking about Bjornings and uh, talking about how much trouble they have overseeing over the hind quarters of the ample uh, of the ample bears once they switch into combat. And it's particularly difficult if you have some shorter tunes which are grouped with bears. And uh, the thought approached my mind immediately that um, that uh, Bjornings got back. And I think even in the podcast, they mentioned someone chatted that in, in, the, uh, in the chat line. So uh, the gauntlet was thrown, and here is the final product. I hope you enjoy it. 
bare butts and I cannot lie. You other fools can't deny that when a Bjorning lumbers in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get madder. Wanna pull at your ladder? That butt was stuffed. Deep in the fur she's wearing. I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Oh, Bjorning, I wanna group with you and take a screenie. My kinmates tried to warn me, but that bottom view is so Bjorny. Rum smooth skin, you want you want to get my kin? Well, use me. Use me, cause you ain't that average newbie. I've seen them dancing. To to hell with fall fashion. She's Ursine and all mine. She got it going like turbine. I'm tired of foreign posts. Same flat butts are the thing. Take the average Borny and ask him that. She gotta pack much back. So fellas, fellas, has your Bjorning got the butt? Tell him to shake it, shake it. Shake that healthy butt. Bjorning's got back. Rohan face with an Anduin booty. Rohan face with an Anduin booty. She got a Rohan face with an Anduin booty. I like them round and hairy. And when I'm feeling berry, I can't help myself. I'm acting like an animal. Now my character panel. Want a relentless maul. And ugh, aoe, ugh, ugh. I ain't talking about Goldie, cause Edmore bears are old and moldy. I want them real thick and tanky, so let the bears get stanky. My Bjornings ain't lanky, begging for a golden at Banky. So I'm looking at YouTube videos, knock-kneed elves, walking like Kimbos. You can't have them Grimbos. I'll keep my Bjorning eating ho-hos. Word to the thick soul sisters. Want to group with ya, won't DPS ya, but I gotta be straight when I say I can't see much. Till we take the boss on. Bjorning's got it going on. A lot of habits won't like this song. Yep, them tooks like see where they're going. I'd rather you save the day with a slash and a thrash. And you're down to hit the creep with a bash. So Bjorning's, Bjorning's, if you want to raid in the morning, then turn around, stick it out. Even Warden's got a shout. Bjorning got back. Bjorning got back. Yeah, baby, when it comes to fellows, the instance finder ain't got nothing to do with my selection. 36, 24, 36? <laughs> Only if she's rolling the RNG. Girlfriend rolls a champ, and her leveling gets a cramp. But champs ain't got a honey cake cooking back at the camp. My fellowship don't want one unless you got them honey cakes, hun. You can do slayer deeds or skirmish, but please don't lose that butt. Some fellas want to play the troll and tell you they can't see their roll, so they spam it and leave it, and I pull up quick to retrieve it, so the forums say you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that, because your fur is smooth and your curls are kicking. I'm thinking about double-clicking to the beanpole tunes in Layla's market. You ain't it, so park it. Give me a bear, I can't resist her. Red beans and honey didn't miss her. Some lore master tried to dismiss, cause his class ain't on my list. He had a bear pet, but he chose to switch him. So I dropped group quick to ditch him. So Bjornings, if the butt is round, and you wanna take Thor locked down, dial 1-900 beacon light, and kick that nasty boss. Bjornings got back. Scratch it, Grima. Bjornings got back. Furry in the middle, but you got much back. She's furry in the middle, but you got much back. Grima, that was terrible. Remix it. Ho, 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 ho. Yes, I went there. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thank God for the anonymity of the Internet. <laughs> Comes in handy in times like this. Well, you never know what to expect. Poetry one minute, creative writing the next, and then there's uh, Sir Bragalot. We'll call him. And be that as it may, it brings us to all the way to our seventh beacon. Halifurian, blessed Halifurian, light it up. Somebody light it up. There she blows. Final beacon. Yes, I'm sweating over here. Got a little schwitzy. Um, yes, and sticky for those of you that are counting at home. Darn viewers. It's time for Blessed Relief. That brings us to the end of the 21st episode of Light the Beacons, the legal drinking age of episodes. So I would love to hear plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique, unless it's about my Sir Bragalot impression. I'm not sure I want to hear anything about that. <sighs> unless you found it funny. I hope you hope you found it funny. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for turkey. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review. If perchance you're so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, which is deeply inbred, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond to them in some way. So I hope you either laughed at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game or me with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time your minstrel buddy asks you to go bungee jumping off the trestle bridge to help him work on this class res deed, don't despair. Light the beacons. Hey, have a great holiday, everyone. I'm going to go get me a dragonette to deep fry from the old Silver Teen City. Too bad I only have a sniveling coward to share it with. Grandma, you are sitting at the underling table. This past the kitty table. In, left. In fact, I might set it up on top Zurich Ziggle. <sighs> okay, I'm just kidding. It's a holiday after all. Time for forgiveness, even for scum like you. Come here, you knucklehead. Noogie time. <laughs> Ow! Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of Middle Earth, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>